All right. Here we Ooh, are. Wild West Saloon, <laughs> here we go. I think Evan said he's had a beer. He's ready to go. Uh, we this are going to be crazy, y'all. We're here to talk about the uh, Super League, the rise and fall of the <laughs> uh, Super League, previously known as the European Super League, then just the Super League, and now it's nothing. And then the European Super League again, actually. Oh, really? That Yes. It ended as a European Super League as well. <laughs> we'll get into that, I'm sure. Oh, my gosh. Well, we're we're here to talk about it. We're here to vent about it, to get out our feelings. Um, we are not here, as you might uh, otherwise expect, to talk about the uh, heated rivalry between myself and William Wyatt Spicer, um, whose birthday was yesterday, yesterday, two days ago. Happy birthday, William. Uh, in the... Um, corporate global fantasy premier league we're gonna postpone that till uh our next pod um because we just want to talk about what's been going on with the super league over the past 48 hours yeah neither of us have any sort of brain cell power to talk about and dissect what's going on in uh actual football if football matches much less fantasy so um yeah we're all about the money baby we're (laughs) We just want to come talk about finance. God. Oh, man. Yeah. So br- yes. brace yourself. If you're tuning in, be warned right now. I don't know how long this is going to go. And we will probably get into the weeds. And we're only talking about Super League. So, yep. And regular listeners of the pod will probably be surprised to know that we at least do have a rough outline of the podcast before we start. <laughs> we don't really even have that this time. So, nope. Uh, you're, we're you're shooting. Welcome. We're going off the cuff. It, we're shooting from the hip. It's just going to be uh, a smorgasbord of um, different talking points. So, yeah. so uh, uh, where do we let's, start? Let's start with just talking about what happened. So, beginning on, uh, I guess it was Sunday night for us, um, Sunday evening. Um, We'll walk through what's happened over the past couple of days. And then um, maybe after that, Evan, if it's all right with you, we'll address why or um, uh, Spicer's question about why yeah. it matters. Yes. But before we do that, I think we, we really need to talk about. And then I think at the going. end, maybe we could even just talk about maybe what, what the future holds. Um, yeah. Just in light of what's happened in the last two days. So um, there, I think we can end on a hopeful Point. Yeah, because I, I think I, am, I would like to do. I yes. am at least partially hopeful. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Um, so let's let's start with Sunday evening. So and keep in mind the news broke Sunday evening our time, but more importantly, it broke basically overnight in Europe. Yeah, I think at so about like, midnight in England. Yeah. Yeah. So real, yeah. Real uh in the dead of night stuff. Um <laughs> not the time you want to be announcing a brand new shiny league is it? <laughs> yeah so so on sunday night the announcement comes down that um 12 teams have signed on to form a new uh what is very quickly comes to be known as a breakaway league um that consists of six premier league clubs that is liverpool tottenham man city chelsea Arsenal and uh, who's Man United. Man United. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. And then also three Spanish clubs, which are Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, and Barcelona. Um, and then three Italian clubs, which are Inter, Milan, and um, uh, Juventus. So those are the 12. And then there's also an announcement that there are three who are sort of standing by um, waiting or at least in, in the way this is framed by um, what is now the Super League or what came to be known as the Super League. Um, three people were, were kind of waiting to sign on. And then the league would also consist of five other spots that um, would be filled each year by teams from different leagues around the world. So that's where we started. Um, Evan, what, what were you feeling at that point? Um, well, so I think I woke up on Monday morning around five o'clock and I couldn't go back to sleep. And so I was like, you know what? I'll browse the internet or something to get me to go back to sleep. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) I think I stumbled. Did you share, did you share anything, uh, Sunday night? I don't. I think I may have said something on, cause I did start reading about it on Sunday night. Yeah. So I think I hadn't, I think I went to bed before I saw that. So I woke up at five, saw that and immediately started looking into it. Um, now, of course, I don't think I really had many feelings there. I just knew that there was, that was big news. Yeah. And so I was, you know, when I woke up Monday morning, I knew that there was some pretty big news out. And that I would, uh, I was going to be tuned into like what was going on that day. So, yeah, I didn't really have any uh, any emotion um, yet, but that was that would come. Yeah, sure. and and part of the weird thing, as I was reading the news on Sunday night and Monday morning, um, I think what was fairly strange to a lot of people, like the idea that that they were announcing a Super League, honestly, was not that strange because there's been talk of it for a long time. Yes. It's sad and uh, and disappointing, but it wasn't strange. What was strange was that there was almost no other information about it in the sense of <laughs> no one knew what breakaway league meant, whether that was something, how that would interact with domestic leagues like the Premier League or the Bundesliga or Serie A, if these teams were like essentially seceding from those leagues if this was meant to replace the champions league, which was due to announce a new format on uh, Monday. So they were kind of preempting that champions league announcement. Um, Another, and speaking on that, I think a lot of people thought that that was, that the super league announcement was a bluff in order mm -hmm. to get a better champions league um, reform. Yep. Um, So basically, because that's happened plenty of times, these, and it's really kind of been these clubs have, um, you know, been pushing UEFA to to reform Champions League or do whatever within their own leagues to to make it more, you know, to make it better for them. And they've used this threat before. And so I think people probably at first thought that's what it was. I know I did. Yeah. And because that's kind of their their tactics in general, right? Even yeah. with, with the Premier League, like the top six clubs have used these kind of bully tactics um, with, by essentially saying, you know, we will, we will, uh, secede and you will like fail without us. Um, 
if you don't give us a larger share of the like TV revenue or whatever. So this is this is like uh, out of the classic big club textbook. Um, and so, yeah, so I think you're totally right. Like people didn't know whether it was just a bluff or whether it was something that yeah. was for real. Yeah. I think over the course of Sunday night and and Monday morning as uh, people, this is mostly happening on Twitter, by the way, with like occasional occasional pieces going up on like the athletic and um, places like that. But a lot of this is ha- is like breaking over Twitter. The um, Super League even had a website. I don't know how well they used it. They had a website, they had a Twitter, they had like social media presence, but it all, let's also mention that that stuff looked lazy and mm. was, it looked like it was put together very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so, totally. um, it, yeah, I think that was probably the first clue. <laughs> yeah. would come. But I think people still were, you know, taking it somewhat serious, even, even though that stuff was still kind of, um, I don't know, not super professional. Yeah, totally. And I, I think even as it came out later, like people were pretty easily able to access within the Super League website, like documents that they hadn't published, but that were on like hosted on the website, um, you know, like <laughs> self, self-justifications and things like that. Um, so very interesting stuff. Um, okay, so yeah, so over the course of Monday, it increasingly became clear that um, this was for real, right? That these teams yeah. were actually starting a league and it became for real through, you know, press conferences given by different of the CEOs or chairmen who are uh, involved in this um, specifically like Agnelli um, from Juventus, Juventus, yeah. um, uh, Perez. Perez from Real Madrid. Yep. And then no one, I don't think there are any press conferences given by any premier league chairman no they stayed fairly quiet um at least the first day and then um but it's also worthy note worth noting that uefa pretty quickly um also came out with some announcements as well yep um telling those those clubs um and kind of the players too that there would be repercussions for this yeah um, since they saw it as a as a uh, direct threat and competition to the Champions League, and so I think that's for me that's kind of um, as I saw more about that and that and they kind of drilled that in. The more that they talked about that, that's when it kind of hit home for me that it was serious. Yeah, totally. When you start getting these international governing bodies like UEFA, who runs the Champions League, and I believe they also run the Euros, and then FIFA, yeah. who runs the World Cup. Um, and other international uh, kind of even other just governing bodies. I know Boris Johnson was against, and they they he was already looking into legal action yeah. in it. So yeah, over the course of Monday, things started really heating up. <laughs> totally, and I think they kind of came to a head when Leeds in on in the late <laughs> afternoon when Leeds and Liverpool played. Yes, um, because yeah, pro- yes, protesters. Yeah. Yeah. Protesters, leads wearing um, shirts protesting um, that apparently were also left in the changing room for the Liverpool um, players. Um, yeah. Press conferences given by Jurgen Klopp that I think were probably taken out of context largely. Um, I feel I, yeah. I feel sorry for him just because of the position he was put in. Yeah. Because um, he didn't know, and it doesn't seem like any of the coaches knew what was happening, and they 
you have to believe that they're all against it. Um, yes. But they also owe their team. They owe it to their players and to the club itself to, yeah, um, to not just like totally come out and bash the th- bash the idea. Yeah, and it all happened so quick. I mean, it's not like he could have. He, he, there's no way he could have said he, there's no way he could have planned a statement that quickly, especially right. when they had a game coming up. So yeah, uh, I don't, I don't have any fault with like what he was doing. Um, so, yeah. And this is all. Um, and as this is happening, you know, more players are coming out and condemning it. Probably not like from what I've seen, not super strongly, more just like kind of almost like cryptically, but still um, because I mean, they're basically, accusing their bosses right they're they're accusing the people who are paying them so that's that's a tricky situation um so that happens and nothing comes from the clubs officially saying that things are starting to unravel but the pressure being put on the clubs by monday night is so great that at least i was starting to think like they're hot like something's gotta give here because yeah. it's, it's just really intense scrutiny. Like you were saying, there are um, there are protests going on outside of Anfield um, in Liverpool. Um, and basically the, the tone of those protests is, um, you know, RIP, our club 2010 or 2021, right? Like this is this is the kind of death of the club as we see it. And we'll talk a little bit more about why that is when we get into like why this matters section, but those are kinds of the tones of, of um, those protests, at least it seemed like to me. Yeah. And I also think speaking of tone, um, one of the, obviously one of the most influential voices in this has been Gary Neville and the tone that him and other pundits either on sky or um, the guardian or wherever um made it abundantly clear um they obviously had much more room to give their opinion than the players or the coaches and so Mm -hmm. they were um vehemently against it they did not hold back in uh, what words they chose um you know apart from like swearing on air but um Yeah. yeah i mean they pretty much completely tore the idea of this thing down like this is this can't happen um yeah because it'll be the death of football in a way um, as yeah. we know it. Yeah. And I think as I'm watching Monday night, I have a sense something has to break, but obviously no one has yes. said like, this is, this is um, we're not, we're, 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 yeah. we're in a very different position than we're in now. And, yeah. and for me watching it, it felt the emotions of that felt very similar to the emotions of watching um, on March 11th of last year, when the, uh, NBA started canceling the season. Oh, yeah. Um, and Forgot like, about that. And all of a sudden, like, you know, the NBA cancels the season, like in the middle of some games because of COVID. And then like leagues started being canceled, yeah. like, you know, music festivals start being canceled. It all kind of happens within a couple of days. It yeah. felt very much like that to me. Yes. Yeah. No, I think so too. And I, I do know, I will say to finish off, like what happened on Monday, on Monday night, um, there was a lot of pressure, but I were I was seeing a couple of um, I was seeing a few tweets about rumors of clubs um, second get uh, wanting to things were starting to crack basically. I've and never I've never heard the phrase "cold feet" used so often. 
<laughs> really? I haven't heard that at all. Really? I, I'm interested to see. Yeah, I'm interested to see like where you got your info, um, and like how maybe how that affected like the different yeah. emotions. Um, but I will say, yeah, there was some tweets about. Yeah, there was specifically um, two Premier League clubs, which would um, eventually be City and Chelsea, mm. that were. Um, already starting to feel the pressure and we're thinking about backing out. So there were rumblings of it Monday night. Nothing came out, um, you know, definitively about it, but there were definitely some rumors that things might uh, hit the fan. Yeah. Soon. And and it should be noted, it it's it's come out re- more recently that uh, Chelsea and Man City were kind of the the last ones in, in a certain yeah. sense. Um, so they weren't, they weren't part of the kind of, brain trust that put this thing together they kind of were it seems like at least the narrative that's going around right now is like they're they're um they kind of like hopped on in order to to save themselves from financial ruin sort of um if this were to happen um and so it makes sense in a way that they are the first ones out because they seemed less committed than everyone else yeah yeah and so i think we exist in that state until I mean, today I wasn't Probably paying. I wasn't paying that much mid-day. attention. Yeah, yeah, about twelve. Well, actually, about um, uh, around noon our time, I think. So I was kind of keeping up with it all day, but I think around. Um, I think there was more talk about like, you know, why PSG? PSG is not interested Bayern's not interested Dortmund's not interested I think Roma came out and said that they denied it the Premier <laughs> League had a meeting with the 14 other clubs that was the big thing that happened this morning yeah, um, yeah. god that was this morning like yeah <laughs> crazy um they the 14 other clubs uh in the Premier League got together um and eventually I mean I guess it was really just essentially just you know coming together as a as a unit and discussing like, Hey, we're all in agreement that this isn't cool. Right. Okay. And then they came out, the Premier League gave a statement saying that all 14 clubs were behind it and uh, clubs made their own individual statements as well. So I think there was a lot of um, the focus this morning was less on the clubs that were um, involved in the super league and more about um, everyone else that were going to feel the repercussions of this, decision and yeah. so yeah i think everyone started voicing their opinions stronger um from a club standpoint after they had had some time to um kind of digest all of that information yeah that's great because i i wasn't paying close attention this morning or really even until mid midday this afternoon but the other thing i would say is that um yesterday last night and this morning another thing that was happening were rumors about the kinds of threats that other governing bodies were making against the teams that um that were the like i'm thinking about the six premier league clubs in in particular because those are the ones that i know most about like you know there are rumors of the premier league threatening to kind of kick them out of the league based on this um yeah and so there are yeah. all these kinds of rumored sanctions that are going around yeah um, um one of the big ones to me honestly was um well there's there's a couple more really so yeah it was the leagues kicking the clubs out but it was also uefa kicking the current like out in the current champions league and europa league kicking those teams out 
Yeah. Um, so people were already thinking about that. Is there going to be a restructuring of the Europe cups this, this week? Um, yeah. Cause they were planned on being banned by the, by Friday. Cause so if you did, cause if you did that PSG would win by default, right? Because it's just, well, they were, I mean, people were discussing like, Oh no, you'll bring some of the other teams that had already been knocked out back in to play like the last, hmm. you know, couple matches or whatever. So there was talks about that, but the other one that I thought was interesting was about um, was FIFA saying that they wouldn't allow players that played in it to play to play in the Super League to play in the World Cup. So any yeah. anybody on those teams would not be allowed to play in the World Cup. Um, and I think that that was pretty interesting. Um, you know, would would players care about that? So I don't know. I, at yeah. the end of the day, I don't know what they would have chosen, but. Um, I'd like to think that they would, you know, that was probably scary for them. Yeah, totally. Because that's a very meaningful thing for a lot of players. I think um, people can sometimes forget that. Yeah. Um, okay, so then we get to Tuesday, and maybe you should narrate the the Tuesday afternoon thing because you seemed like you were more on top of it when it came to, like, the Chelsea game, what happened surrounding that, and then kind of as things started <laughs> to crumble into this afternoon. Yeah, so I can give you the start. Because once it started to crumble, I kind of had to focus back on work because I hadn't been doing much. <laughs> so I had to like finish up the day and like be productive. Um, but I can give a good sense of like how it started. Um, yeah, so I was eating lunch and um, I took my lunch break from, you know, 12 to 1 like I normally do. And nothing really happened too much in uh, <clears throat> in that time frame. But towards the end, I noticed... Um, someone had shared a, a live feed of Chelsea who were about to, to about, about to go play Brighton this afternoon, which ended in a nil nil draw, by the way. Yeah. Um, as did, as did, well, the Leeds Liverpool game was one, one, just, yeah, to, read, just to read on some Monday of the things one. we'll talk about <laughs> later on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so Chelsea were going to go play um, Brighton pretty soon. And there were protests. There were Chelsea protesters outside of. I don't know where it was actually. I think where did where was the game played today? Stamford Bridge. I can't remember. I think it might have been in Brighton, but I'm not sure. I, okay, so if that's the case, I'm pretty sure they were there at Stamford Bridge. The protesters, and they were. I think that the attempt was to block the bus from leaving. Hmm. Um, because the game actually ended up getting pushed back 15 minutes kickoff mm. time. Um, so the, so protesters were out there with at like near the bus, um, and they were chanting, doing all this sorts of stuff. Um, with, and it's, I'm so glad I tuned in because about <laughs> five or 10 minutes after, right when I'm ready to like go back to work, um, I'm watching it and all of a sudden they're like, they're screaming fuck super league. Um, they're chanting all sorts of things. Um, and then all of a sudden you start hearing some cheers and then everyone erupts Mm. and I'm like, what the hell just happened? And I'm on YouTube watching this and everyone's in the chat. Like what the fuck, what the fuck, what's happening? What's going on? What happened? What happened? What happened? And, um, so I'm like frantically, like trying and trying to figure it out in YouTube, like on YouTube chat, I'm going back to like discord, um, 
the, I'm in a discord where, you know, this person shared this live stream trying to figure out what happened. I'm checking Twitter. Um, and that felt like the longest five minutes, five minutes of my life, but eventually someone, and it was probably only a couple minutes after, um, they started cheering that someone had tweeted one, uh, like a verified journalist that I think works in the Chelsea, um, circle tweeted that, um, that he found out that Chelsea were planning on leaving, that they were preparing mm. documents to leave um, the Super League. And once that once that hit the state that I was in, because you mentioned you were you mentioned you were it reminded you of um, of when the NBA started shutting things down and everyone followed suit. This in particular not just because it was around the same time as um, the Capitol riots, but this was like a similar feeling, but in reverse. Hmm. Um, so like, it felt like everything was like coming down, but for a good reason, hmm. instead of like, <laughs> you know, instead of like democracy is being overtaken, it's democracy is winning. Hmm. And man, it felt it, I, I couldn't believe it. It's kind of like, I know that there's some hope rising up within me, but I can't let it, I can't let it get to me now. There's like too much to consume. And so for the next, oh gosh, for the next um, few hours there, it started like, I was just checking Twitter whenever I could. And um, yeah, Chel it was confirmed like Chelsea was pl planning on leaving um, eventually I don't know. I don't know what the order was, but it was definitely Chelsea first. City, I think, were probably next in saying that they were planning on leaving. Um, and this was the, all of this happens within like two or three hours. Um, after that is, jeez, uh, I think um, United even shared something, um, or at least it was leaked that United was going to leave. I think it. Um, I think it was United yet next because. Because at around three, they fired Ed Woodward. Yeah, and so no, well, they didn't fire him. Ed Woodward said that he was going to resign. Oh, what? So, so Woodward says he's going to resign. Um, it it has come out now that he's planning on leaving at the end of the calendar year. Hmm. Um, and apparently he was um planning on leaving anyway. But I also saw that um the two the two people behind uh, Manchester United that were like pushing to like um make a statement were luke shaw and yeah. harry yeah. Maguire. wow i mean luke, luke shaw Carl. wrote like a pretty touching like uh instagram notes thing or oh, not really i'm sorry like twitter notes thing yeah nice yeah so those two were working behind the scenes and i think that i also read that that was part of the reason that woodward left too um, they were, I think they were kind of like fed up with him or something. So, yeah. um, there, there was also that. So, you know, you've got those three premier league clubs leaving. You've got Jordan Henderson that earlier that day was, um, trying to get the captains of the other premier league clubs together to release a, uh, a statement, um, from the players. Um, he eventually, all, I think all of the Liverpool players, well, I only saw two, I'm assuming most of them shared, they, they had a specific graphic that they all shared about um, mm. the players aren't for this. We're in unison. This is, a, you know, we're, we're in complete opposition to this. Um, and so those, so 
Chelsea, City, and United are rumored uh, and planning on leaving. Um, Woodward's out. He says he's going to resign. Um, there were rumors that uh, how do you pronounce how do you pronounce it? I think it's Agnelli. Agnelli. There's rumors that Agnelli's fired, but I don't think that that has um, come out yet. And Juventus have even said that that's not true. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Although I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up leaving. Um, but I actually learned that his family has ha- has been in control of Juventus since the 20s, 1920s. So it's been like oh, almost wow. years. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, pretty interesting. And I think there was um, people were throwing a lot of shade on him because he should know better because mm-hmm. he's not a billionaire owner that has come through. And we'll get into like, of course, the billionaire owners in a bit. But yeah, um, yeah, there was a lot of um, a lot of flack on him for not. Yeah for you know not keeping up the tradition so yeah there was a lot of a lot of that stuff came out um and you know once those three clubs came out there were several that followed suit it was rumored that inter were going to leave it was rumored that ac milan were going to leave and soon enough um yeah most most clubs came out and said they were going to leave the majority of the of the 12 clubs um have said that they were going to leave or have left um, by tonight when we're recording. Um, so yeah, I think there's only, only Juventus and the Spanish clubs so far have not made an official position. So that's where we're at at the, at the moment. Um, but yeah, there was, uh, everything just kind of unraveled pretty quickly. Yeah, very quickly. Goodness. Yeah. Starting, <laughs> yeah. starting this afternoon, it just all kind of came toppling down. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, just truly been, I think you're, kind of reverse capital analogy is is apt and I hadn't heard that before but that makes total sense because it it really did feel like um the protests of fans were what brought this down right like yeah um whether or not that's the case or not um it did feel like that just because the Chelsea protests were going on um and then it was just kind of the timing of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I definitely felt that way. So, okay. So that's kind of a brief um, postage stamp version of um, what happened. Yeah. And as of now, the Super League has officially been suspended. Yeah. Um, so, they, so the, those people met tonight and they've called it off for now. And it's all like all of the Premier League teams at least have kind of come back with their tails between their legs. And we'll, yeah. we'll talk about what that might mean, but um, yeah, it's like, it's basically defunct at this point. Yes. Well, and <laughs> so just let's recap the name, the name situation. Okay. So it started as European Super League, right? And then it became yeah. just Super League. I don't, so you might have to go through, but let me do a brief overview. It started as European Super League, became Super League, um, and then in their announcement about suspending things, they call it the European Super League. So, what? Why did it? Like, why is that name being changed? Like, what happened there? I, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's rationale behind that. I think this is <laughs> this is something we're going to talk about, which is that the, from front to back, this is an extremely poorly planned situation that they've gotten themselves into. Like. Whole, Not only was it a poor plan, it was like a poor plan. Like 
you yeah. know the the plan itself was stupid and the the way they announced the plan was stupid every everything was just it was just totally incompetent like and oh, on every yeah. level yeah. Um, yeah and i think that was one of the things that as least as i was watching things unfold on sunday night and monday yesterday was shocking and that was hard to believe was just how incompetent everything felt when it came from the super league when it came to the super league right like yeah. first of all that you would announce the league um not anticipating this kind of backlash from fans and not ready yeah. and not ready to um to kind of stand by your your position um in the face of that second that you would announce it without all of the teams having signed on um like because those three teams that they were talking about which a lot of people had presumed would be you know um Bayern Munich PSG and possibly another German team like Dortmund I think Dortmund yeah um like the idea that in the face of the kind of backlash that they should have anticipated um those teams would choose to sign on just seems unreal um and then third kind of the the things that they did to try to defend themselves, sending Fuentino Perez, the chairman of Real Madrid, who is a fairly comes across as a very fairly incompetent individual um, in his. I hate him. <laughs> he, I hate he, him. he made he made the claim that uh, uh, young people are losing interest in soccer, and so soccer should just be shorter. Um, the matches themselves should be shorter. Yeah. He also said that the whole point and let's i don't know if we've mentioned but he is the president of the super league like yeah he's the head of the super league the guy from real madrid okay mm-hmm. and yeah um he even made the bold claim of saying that he was trying to save football yeah for the next 20 years 23 years well i don't know that well yes so the contracts were set to be 23 years i think in his quote he mentioned 20 years but okay. how short-sighted is that yeah like, if you're trying to save football, wouldn't you be wanting to save football for, like, the next thousand years or whatever? It's like, what are you doing? Like, the, I don't know. Just yeah. the fact yeah. that you're trying to save football for 20 years, just enough for you to make money, we'll get into that. But yeah. anyway. So, yeah. so let's let's get into it. Let's get into why okay. why this angered yeah. people so much. Um, there's so many different reasons. There's so many why? different reasons. Maybe one, I think... What's focalizing the focalizing this through the Premier League is probably the best way. To okay, at least yeah. for me. And we can reference okay. the other teams and for our but, and for and for everyone else in Slack because I, you know, that's what that's their touchstone. I think. Yeah. So the first thing that you'll notice as you look through the six teams that were selected for, um, the or that were founding members signed on as founding members of the, uh, Super League is not that they are the top six teams <laughs> in the Premier League currently. <laughs> Nor have they, I would argue, ever been the top six teams in the Premier League for a long time. They are simply the uh, teams, the six teams with the uh, least scrupulous and possibly wealthiest owners in the Premier League um, who have signed on to this. Um, I think you could make a case that... um, these were all chosen based on kind of like um, legacy within the Premier League. Uh, but even that is not a very good argument, right? Nope. When you think yeah. about like Man City and Tottenham. Terrible in argument. Particular. Um, and the teams that, that were left out, like Everton, Aston Villa, Newcastle. Exactly. Yeah. So, 
So that's yeah. that's the the first place to start is that these teams are by and large are I mean they're the wealthiest teams in the Premier League and they uh, a lot of them have owners who are um, American or uh, are you I think know, three of them right uh, yeah or at least partially or have Arsenal kind of- Arsenal United and Liverpool Chelsea's Russian. Mm-hmm. Man City um, is, um, is Abu, uh, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi, yeah. And um, Spurs. Is Dan, is Dan, Dan Levy? Dan Levy is American, I believe. Dan Levy is American? I oh, think okay. he's American. I could be wrong about that. He might I'm be. I'm going to look that up. Okay. Um, but anyway, so um, these, are, these are wealthy teams. And so I think. Yeah, not Dan Levy, like not the Canadian actor. We're not talking <laughs> about him. He is a gem. He's a Canadian gem. Yeah, we've got nothing against him. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's that's important to know ahead of time, and obviously he's British. Okay. And obviously, um, that goes for the other teams uh, that um, joined from Europe as well. When you're talking about Real Madrid and Barcelona and Juventus and Inter, um, these are the wealthiest teams in Europe. Um, and. So when you hear the idea of a breakaway league consisting of these teams, I think everyone is extremely skeptical just because of um, the fact that what this is, what it looks like and what it actually is, is the 12 wealthiest teams in the world, in the world's wealthiest sport, um, getting together to form a breakaway league. And we don't know what exactly that means at that point, but just the fact that that is happening is extremely worrying. It did come out. I'm pretty sure. Sh- I don't know how reliable this was. If this came from the Super League themselves or just from people that knew about it, but I think the plan was for the games of the Super League to be played in midweek. Yes, that's 100 percent true. So I think in their eyes, they did that probably. So that way, I get. I guess they didn't think people were going to ban them from the leagues. Yeah, because I think in their eyes it was just an added thing mm-hmm. that would probably compete with the champions, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so, and so what the, what the, what the super league was, was basically a league that would run parallel to domestic leagues. Right. So yeah. um, as your teams, as your premier league teams are playing in the premier league, they're also playing midweek, as you were saying in the super league. Um, and, and in Europa and champions league. Right. Yeah. Ostensibly. Maybe. These- I don't know. Yeah. Right. Ostensibly, these are not to replace the Champions League, but that's everything about this is a way of supplanting the Champions League, right? Like that's um, the fact that the announcement was made right before the Champions League announcement. The fact that the Champions League had threatened to ban them, that um, these teams wouldn't be playing all of those games. Like it's it's basically impossible. And the fact that they didn't like go to UEFA or the FA or any of these bodies and say, Hey, we would like to do this. Is there a way that we can like incorporate this special little rich boy league in order to like accommodate these things? They did not discuss that at all. Yeah. So I think it's very obvious that it was, um, yeah, no, they were trying to do their own thing. And many of these people, so you're thinking about Agnelli, right? He's on yeah. the executive board of UEFA and he's in charge. And so are several other of these chairmen and he's in charge of like a kind of group of domestic leagues. So these people are 
basically stabbing in the back the organizations that they are also a part of right and so that and a lot of these and a lot of these people were leaving positions at these bodies like the eca which is the european something i don't know what it is yeah um european club association or something um so like yeah no they were taking it serious that was another big clue as to this is a pretty big thing yeah um so the league the league would run parallel to the premier league or the Syria or whatever um and what is the incentive is the fact that they have procured a startup loan from jp morgan worth <laughs> 3.5 billion um which would see um which would essentially give each of the teams each of the teams in the league uh 400 million dollars just kind of as a startup and that presumably that is what happens for uh, each kind of consecutive year of the league um which just for just for um some perspective is i think triple what the winner of the champions league makes so, correct yeah uh, just by being in this league um all of these teams are getting more than basically any other team in any in their best possible season could ever get Right. Also, another thing is um, this league was speaking of finances, um, not just this after the startup, but every year, I think these founding member teams would split um, like a certain percentage or something of the revenue. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure the five that like the five that like won their way into the Super League that, you know, got to be in it for a year. Yeah. Um, temporarily would get some money as well but not nearly as much as the founders right so there's an unequal distribution of wealth extremely weighted toward the teams that are already Correct. um that yeah. are already wealthies and i think this this is like the most crucial thing to understand yeah. these this league these teams are just in this league forever right there is yeah. no well you said for 23 years right right yeah for 23 years but, but indefinitely probably yeah. yeah so that is like absolutely crucial to understand that there's no uh, relegation they're there. they're getting this 400 million a year regularly with no uh with no possibility of not getting that right um and the there's no way that they can fall out of it as you're saying there's no relegation so the and that is supposed to according to the super league exist side by side with a league like the premier league um and i think that is where you start to see the problems emerge because I mean, there are all sorts of problems, but if you're just thinking about it from a purely logical standpoint, it's like, okay, these like wealthy teams want to get together to um, have their own league. And then they'll also play in the premier league. Like, uh, like just, if you just explain it that way, it's like, okay, whatever. But it's when you start to think about how the money that is made in the super league will affect the other leagues and also will affect a, a very historical tournament like the Champions League, which was known as the European Cup before that, um, which has like, you know, decades and decades of history and tradition to it, how that will affect that tournament. That's where you start to see why people are so upset. Um, so the analogy, uh, Evan and I were saying beforehand that there's kind of a cottage industry of uh, built around making analogies for American people to understand about why this is important. Um, and so I think 
an analogy that is helpful for me is based on the um, NCAA March Madness tournament, right? And this explains kind of two of the what I see as the three problems that people have with the league. So the first problem is like the immediate ramifications. Um, the second one is the kind of like future financial ramifications. And the third one is like the kind of more um, uh, abstract sense of like self that these clubs are losing, which we'll talk about later. But so thinking about March Madness, right? Um, imagine that you have all of these conferences, like the Big Ten, the SEC, um, that have their own seasons. And at the end of their own seasons, they have a champion, right? Great. Um, and based on how well these teams, this is currently how March Madness is set up, um, based on how well all of these teams do in all of their individual leagues, they either make it or they don't make it into the 64 teams that participate in March Madness. And that uh, being one of those teams is dependent upon how well you do in your league. So if you lose all, or in your conference, if you lose all your conference games, you're not going to make it into the March Madness tournament. Um, and so if you're doing well, if you're, you know, a bad team in your conference one year, you might do well the next year um, and make it into March Madness. And that's great. And what we love about March Madness is the kind of combination of teams from across different conferences getting together, some of them really um, well-respected, some of them not so well-respected, playing one another and kind of seeing what happens, right? That's like the magic of March Madness. The fun of the sport, yeah. Yeah. Um, so then imagine instead if there was a world in which the best, let's say, eight teams in college basketball um, said, well, you know, we, we make it into the elite eight most of the time, right? Like probably once every three years, we make it into the elite eight. And it's like UNC, it's Duke, it's a Virginia, it's Michigan, Kentucky. I don't know, Kentucky, UCLA. Yeah. Mich- uh, let's say, oh yeah, we said Michigan for Spicer, yeah. Yeah, we'll say like Texas and We'll um, say Gonzaga. Indiana for Wyatt. Oh yeah, Indiana and Gonzaga. Arcan- okay. Not Arkansas. Sorry. Sorry, uh <laughs> sorry, uh Griffiths. <laughs> yeah. So what if what if those teams said, okay, uh we're we don't want to like we have the wealthiest um programs, we hire the best coaches, we get the best recruits. We don't want to go through this whole process of playing 64 teams anymore or playing through the 64 teams. Um, we just want to play the best teams like regularly. Um, and so those eight teams just um, start their own tournament on the side um, and they kind of leave the, the other March Madness tournament kind of to dry. Without these best teams, fewer people will watch it. It's not as important, right? It loses a lot of what makes it special when you have the best teams in the country not playing in it. Um, and those eight teams, every once in a while, they'll invite another team to come and play with them. Maybe each year they invite four other teams, but it's not it's nothing like the 64 teams that would normally be a part of this this wonderful March Madness tournament. Um, and it's never going to be like your your 16 seeds that, that join. It's going to be like the five seeds yeah. that go. You know, it's like the ones that are in like third place in a very prestigious conference. And so instead of seeing a normal 64 team tournament every year, you're just watching the same eight teams plus maybe four other teams duke it out, uh, no pun intended, and just kind of go at it. 
Um, and they consider that like the top tier national championship type of thing. Yeah. Exactly. That's what becomes that's what becomes the symbol of prestige. Not winning March Madness. Right. Um, it's winning this new um, exclusive uh, league. Now, that is pretty reprehensible, I think. And we, if you're thinking about it from a competitive standpoint, that is like, uh, it's just not as much fun to watch, right? So, but when you start to think about how wealth works in that kind of situation and the kind of inequalities that that exacerbates is where it really gets troubling, right? Because if these teams are making money, these eight teams, these breakaway teams are making money off of the TV rights and, you know, Jersey sales and spot and donations based on how, based on their performance in that, this like new exclusive eight league super or eight team super league, um, and then they're going back to their conference tournaments, right? Their normal leagues. Uh, what do you think is going to happen there? They're not going to lose more, right? They're the inequalities that exist between, you know, a Kentucky and a Vanderbilt, uh, for instance, or a Kentucky and a, I don't know, like University of South Carolina are just going to be exacerbated. Uh, they're going to have not more only, money. Yeah. I was, they're going to have more money. They're going to be hi- be able to hire better coaches. They're going to be able to only recruit. They're going to be able to recruit more of the best players. Um, and so that tournament be, or that conference play becomes increasingly less competitive and more weighted towards those wealthy teams because of the benefits that they receive having made this breakaway league. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say another option or another path there could be not that it becomes, not that these teams become um, just dominant, but that they ignore this, the conference. Exactly. Because they don't want their best players to be hurt during these meaningless games. They're going to wait until March or April when they play the, the big tournament and they don't give a shit about the conference. And so they could end up being, you know, mid conference or even in the last in the conference. And it doesn't matter. They're going to still go play the national championship in this this, uh, final eight. They could lose every game in the conference and it wouldn't matter because all of a sudden it's going to be less entertaining there. Yeah. So it's either going to be, it's going to be less entertaining most likely one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I think people would say both would happen, right? Like, yeah, the, both the would team, probably happen. Yeah, they would. They, they would, would probably get, have a B team. I they mean, would it, get. It, yeah, they would get wealthier. And City almost already has one, so it's like, yeah, <laughs> of course they would. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so, and I think that's that's what everyone when they're seeing this this like parallel league system, we're we're leaving the March Madness example um, and going back to soccer when they're seeing the parallel system or parallel league of the super league running along the premier league, what everyone is seeing is a world in 10 years or 15 years where all those teams just realize we are gaining nothing by playing in the premier league anymore. There's nothing in it for us because we're already going to be promote. We're already going to be playing in this, uh, um, this new league or this super league anyway. So why do we need to be a part of this? Because as it stands, the top four teams in the Premier League are uh, invited to play in the Champions League each year. So you have to finish in those top four spots or win the Europa League um, in order to play in the Champions League and kind of get that kind of international prestige and the money associated with that. Um, Doing well is a requirement, and it would do away with the requirement for those teams to do well. 
Um, so I think those are like the kind of practical, um, practical problems that everyone is seeing when they're seeing this breakaway league. Evan, I wonder if you could say a little bit about like the, the more like abstract, what this does to like a sense of a club's sure. like identity. Yeah. Yeah. Can I actually go to the bathroom before I get into that? Yeah, sure. All right. I think I can pause this actually. Okay. Awesome. Uh, back from our bathroom break. Uh, that beer went right through me. <laughs> Evan, uh, could you uh, tell us a little bit about the kind of um, more emotional side of things? Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think, um, I know we just talked about very important ramifications financially um, and competitively, but I think this is going to be something that us as Americans won't um won't understand fully um so when i'm so when i'm discussing this know that i do not get totally get this either um not that i don't understand it but i don't totally completely feel the way that uh and we're going to be talking about primarily specifically but the way that um the way that english people feel for their club so Mm -hmm. um that's the biggest thing um, and I think this is probably the most important aspect of any of these arguments is the emotional aspect to it. Um, I mean, I guess just to, to start, just know that these clubs, first of all, have been around since the 1800s. Um, so they've been around over a hundred years and they, you know, a lot of them started with working class people. Um, so to kind of bring back to that dichotomy of, um, of, you know, financially, um, rich people, um, wanting to make the super league, um, you know, a lot of these clubs that were started were started by working class people, um, from the local towns. Um, and everything is so much closer there that, um, you know, it's easier for teams to travel. So you're getting clubs popping up in all sorts of places. Um, I mean, every town has one. Mm -hmm. Um, London has multiple. Um, So you get this sense of pride um, from supporting your club, not only because that's where you're from, but because the club has such uh, such an aspect and impact in your community, um, and, and since I've supported Everton for the last several years, I've really noticed that they really try to um, continue that, and that is one thing that I'm proud of for being an Everton supporter. Um, not to shame supporters from other clubs that did go to this did. Um, accept the invitation to the Super League. Um, But, you know, Everton has been critical in in a lot of uh, citizens of Liverpool. And uh, the fact that the 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 fact that Goodison Park is next to tons of um, housing complexes, like it is just part of the city. Um, and that's why it's so, honestly been so hard for 
Everton to build a new stadium is because it is so ingrained in the city. They want to do it correctly. They've had to go through so many different levels of, um, of approval from the city because it needs to retain a heritage and it needs to retain part of the city um, to be part of the city, to impact the city in a different way. Um, you know, I mean, I'm just thinking of Everton in the community as one of, one of many things that Everton does for the community. They have a big um, push to um, reach out to people in the community with mental health issues, um, to bring them in, to get them help. So it's not just, um, it's not just a club that you go to, um, to watch every Saturday to, you know, feel the emotions of something other than work or whatever you're doing during the week and to, you know, attach to something, find a love for something and to go through the different leagues, whether up or down with it, no matter what. Um, and honestly, I think one of the best um, places you can really uh, feel this feeling is in Sunderland Till I Die. Um, mm. So I think now, if you're interested in learning about this, um, that's a great place to start um, because it's heartbreaking to watch these people support a club that um, struggles quite frankly. Um, and Sunderland, they're, they're a very working class, um, city. I mean, the, they're right on the, right on the coast. They're, they're a port city. Um, lots of dock workers, fishermen. Um, so I mean, I feel like I can't really do it justice. <laughs> um, cause I don't fully grasp it myself coming from America. And speaking to that, I think the closest thing we can get is going back to March Madness and, um, you know, the fact that these colleges have been around for a while. And when you go uh, as a student, if you're a if you're a union student and you're cheering for union basketball. You know, that's. It's going to be different if all of a sudden the basketball team says we're not going to play here anymore. We're going to go, we're going to go to Nashville where there's more people and we're going to go play there. Um, all of a sudden you have no connection. You, you can't just walk to the stadium. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that's the closest thing I can think of uh, as far as an attachment to it. Um, I mean, I don't know most of us didn't really go to, to a big school. So, I mean, if you go to a big school, I mean, they're, you know, they're kind of like your school club for the rest of your life. In a I way. mean, I, I'm a Penn State student right now. And yeah, like the football culture you, is, is. Yeah. Do you feel that way? It's insane. I don't feel that way about Penn State, but okay. it's for sure. Sure. Yeah. Like, like I mean, undergrads. yeah. And, and when they graduate like 30, 40 years, it's that's going to be their school. So that's the closest thing I can get to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't really know. That's as much as I have in my head right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so the, the plan doesn't, the super league doesn't require that teams leave their cities. Right. Yeah. I think that's important. But I think 
if you look at like Stan Kroenke, for instance, right? Like yeah. his history with moving the Rams to St. Louis and then back to Los Angeles. Um, yeah. That's not out of the realm of possibility, but I think just to add on to what you're saying, like you have these kinds of clubs and I think you're right. And what that means is that a premier league game for, a, for a team or for a club that is like such a part of the community it's not like watching the Titans play on Sunday, right? No. It's more of a ritual in the sense yeah. that it's an action that has meaning greater than itself. Um, and so when you, when a league is proposed, a super league is proposed that threatens the competitiveness of, or the competition of the, um, the Premier League, and I think that is what, if you talk to any fan of like a like a Liverpool fan or whatever, like um, they're much more worried about playing. Like what is special to them is playing, you know, these other British and English teams. Yeah. Um, and it's not playing an away game in Barcelona that most people will not be able to go attend, right? It's, yeah. It's the idea that you're making the rounds of each team in the premier league twice each year. And you um, are kind of testing yourself against them. Um, yeah. And that is, that is what makes the premier league meaningful. Um, yeah. And so, and so kind of globalizing that, or at least um, making that a kind of pan European situation. Um, it kind of uproots a lot of what um, is uh, perceived to be valuable about the, about English soccer or about, yeah. you know, French, French, not French soccer, uh, Spanish soccer or Italian soccer or whatever. Yeah. I think that just, it just shows how much respect the clubs have for one another, even, you know, even rival clubs, Everton and Liverpool, you know, and even, you know, premier league clubs to championship or even league one or league two clubs, like they all respect each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, that's part of it is they know that they can get beat if they don't perform. Um, That's why the FA cup is uh, the league cup is such a huge thing Um, is not just the chance for smaller clubs to play bigger clubs. It's, it's out of respect. It's, you know, it's like these big clubs wouldn't be here if it weren't, weren't for the smaller clubs in a way. Yeah. Um, There's this pyramid that it's built on and, I don't know. There's just so much respect that each club has for everyone else um, that I think is really nice to see that right now in a, in this time. Yeah. Um, and two more things to illustrate this point is there's a reason that supporters of clubs call it their religion is because it is a r- ritual thing. On the weekend you go, you support your team. And I know that that's changing now with like television and technology and everything, but there's still a huge um, live uh, crowd um, support there. I mean, people are on waiting lists for season tickets. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's incredible. Like it is their religion. It's what they do on the weekend. They go support their club. They go have a few drinks before and after that's what they do. Um, You know, it's a ritual thing. But the other thing I wanted to mention was, 
Um, I think it was during the Chelsea protest. Someone had a sign that says, um, we just, we just want our cold nights in Stoke. Yeah. And man, that is like so powerful. I think it just encapsulates kind of everything we touched on all at once. The fact that a Chelsea supporter is saying that to Stoke, who's not even in the premier league, like that's just what they want. Like, why do we have to make this something that just hyper fetishizes um, the money and honestly talent in sports? Like it gets to the point where we're making celebrities out of these and we're going to watch the celebrities, not the actual teams perform. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what would be missed. Um, that's one of the biggest things that would be missed is you're no longer going to get a, um, a Fulham that are going to hunker down and, and get a 1-1 draw against Arsenal. Um, you're not going to get a Leeds that are going to take it to Man City and beat them 2-1. to um, Those games are incredibly fun. Why would we want to go just watch four of the best strikers Yeah, when we can watch teams that are going to give it heart and soul. And, um, and I think that's kind of, you know, that shows that it comes from working class roots is that's what's at the heart of those games. Yeah. Um, rather than the flashiness, which obviously is great. Um, but yeah, just, just being able to watch a team just dig in and give it their all. Uh, you can't ask for much more. Yeah, and just to reiterate, the reason why you wouldn't get those things are yeah. because Man City would have so much more money, think of $400 million more per year, that uh, the the possibility, like the playing field is not even close enough that a Leeds could take it to a Man City. That's one thing. Secondly, Man City would be de-incentivized from playing well in that game or trying in that game because they have very little to play for. Um, and three, they might not even be in the league at all, right? Like they might be um, kicked out of the league or they might resign from the league because this parallel league is more profitable. Um, so there are like very practical reasons why you wouldn't get what you're talking about, which I think is spot yeah. on. And and what I think is driven home by the, the protests, the Chelsea protests you're talking about is the fact that what fans are getting in exchange for losing all of this is almost nothing it's just money it's just money right like there's it's the prospect of it's the prospect of um being able to sign flashier players yeah and to have a more profitable club yes that's that's all that is being promised to fans in exchange for giving up these things yep yeah it's not like they were you know giving them anything else Uh, they weren't really giving them anything at all Right, yeah, because you, think, already, you already yeah. have teams, European yeah. teams, playing in the Champions League, right? And it's yeah. already more exciting product because people, yeah. there's something at stake. Yeah. Now, there is, of course, something to be said. This is a discussion for another time about UEFA and the Champions League and the reform oh, yeah. for that. And, 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 and English UEFA's clubs not, in general, UEFA's right? not a... Huh? And English clubs in general, right? They're not perfect organizations. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For real. Um, yeah, there's lots of criticism to be had, and we'll get into that in the future. Um, you know, we'll talk about that towards the end about like where we see this headed. Um, yeah, I mean, let's, but let's make sure we're abundantly clear. 
the only point for this was for these owners um, to have a more profitable business. Yeah. And to, to take something away from those supporters, man, it just, it makes me so upset. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, it's cause I'm just thinking about the supporters that are sharing videos on, on Twitter, um, Arsenal supporters that don't even feel that they deserve to be in the super league. Like, it's just heartbreaking to see them go through the emotions of their club, not be- of going away from what it is. Um, and they are, and they were livid. Like there, I watched a video of an Arsenal supporter. I mean, he was just so angry um, that the owner of this, of this club that has been in London for over a hundred years has decided to just, we're going to go do something else so that I can make more money as an owner, as a business owner. It's disgusting. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, th- yeah, uh, that's all that there is to it is it was all about money and yeah. it's incredibly sad. I mean, yeah, it is. And I think that's why I'm sure you went through a lot of different emotions too, thinking about it, but I know that I went through, Oh, this is just a bluff to, oh no, this is serious. Now I'm in shock to anger, to depression of like, well, I don't see how this coming as an American, having capitalism so rampant here, I got to the point where I was like, this is just going to be the, this is just going to be it. There's Mm -hmm. no way. Um, But God, I'm so thankful that (laughs) this was taking place in a different context than America, even though Americans were involved. And let's be very clear that this was a very big part of like the American owners mm-hmm. that were in charge of this. Yeah. They wanted it to be more of a closed system franchise system, you know, a franchise league that looks more American. And yeah, I mean, it's all about money at the end of the day. And, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I went, I went through all the emotions and then eventually got to, to the place where, you know, I accepted it and I was like, well, if this is the way it's going to be, might as well just let them do their own thing. And hopefully, you know, no one pays attention to it and it just becomes a side thing that no one gives a fuck about. Yeah. Um, and then finally came back around to like, no, people are like actually protesting this, this can, this things, things don't have to go this way. Now I have hope again, now that I see these people protesting. So yeah, it's been, it's been a whirlwind. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I don't even live there. And like, I've been a supporter for a team for a, a several years, like nothing compared to people that have had generations of support for a club. Just oh God, I can't even imagine. So yeah, totally. So maybe we can transition to thinking about the future and like what, what all this means in terms of um, what might happen, what we think might happen. Um, do you want to start with like should, negative, negative things? Yeah. Do we want to start with like, well, actually let's start with like negative things. Like first we'll talk about, let's talk about punishments that we think the premier league clubs might get. Yeah. If you want to, we don't have to talk long about that. Um, and then let's talk about maybe kind of the negative side effects to where this could go in the future. If this rears its head again. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's end on like maybe the positives, the positives, hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. Of what could happen. So yeah. You want to start us off with some punishments that you would, you think will take place yeah. or would yeah. like to see? I mean, I think for my money, the, the kind of um, sanctions given by the premier league are going to be extremely important because yeah. without sanctions that actually are meaningful to these clubs um there's this is just going to happen again right like um there's no reason why in five years this doesn't happen again if these clubs who are so close to getting this kind of like golden goose situation that they wanted um came back to the premier league with their tails between their legs and weren't and weren't punished for it right and so yeah if that if that ends up happening there's no reason why in five or ten years it doesn't happen again so um, that's kind of like the reasoning for sanctioning, uh, you know, these teams. And I think, I mean, I don't know exactly what the sanctions should be. I think that, I mean, if, if this were in like the German league or something like that, it would probably be relegation of some sort. Like mm. these, these teams <laughs> be placed in like the championship or league one or something like that. Um, but um, I don't think that will end up happening. Uh-huh. I think what, what will end up happening is points deductions at the beginning of next season. Um, so these teams will start off in the negative. Um, I think obviously huge fines probably will be yeah. the main I, one. Yeah. And yeah. that will probably hurt the most. And I think could have some pretty significant ramifications. when you think about the global trade market for players, um, the global market for players in the off season, right? Like is Man City able to sign Erling, sign Erling Holland in the summer yeah. if they're fined a hundred million dollars or something like that. Yep. Um, I say, I say find those teams and give that money directly to lower league teams. Oh yeah. Is like my, I think is the, is a best case outcome that employs deductions. Um, because at the end of the day, those are the teams that were threatened most because the Premier League shares revenue with those lower league teams. And if they were to leave the Premier League or somehow devalue the Premier League, then that's who ultimately pays the price and who can at least afford to pay the price. So I think, I think fines um, going to those teams would be appropriate. Yes. And let's not forget that this is all taking place during COVID as well. Like yeah, those teams are hurting because of COVID too, and would have been hurt even worse. Like it's just like a bigger a bigger gap, you know? So yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that. That's a great idea. It's just send those that fine money to, to the lower leagues. Um, those are the two things that I think are likely to happen. I have no idea about how this will happen in Syria and, and yeah. the, um, and in La Liga, I, my gut instinct is especially in La Liga that Barcelona and Real Madrid have so much power that there will probably be not that many sanctions, right? Like, the imbalance yeah. in those leagues is much well in La Liga specifically is much higher. Like you yeah. really, you really have those three teams and then Sevilla who are, who have any possibility of winning the league on any given year, which is kind of different totally. from the league and from Syria too. So totally. Uh, what do you think besides uh, uh, fine, fines and points? Besides those. Yeah, no, I would like to see both of those as well. Fines and points deductions. Um, this is less, Premier League oriented, but I I think UEFA will. I would like mm-hmm. to see UEFA take take some 
serious punishment against them. Um, I don't think that they should be allowed to play in Europe next season. Mm. So I think, you know, whoever finishes top of the, you know, the top whatever positions, take City off the table, take Chelsea off the table, take Arsenal wasn't going <laughs> to... They weren't going to qualify for Europe. Liverpool take, take, Arsenal, take, like, take Arsenal from their step right below the table that they <laughs> were possibly going to be on. <laughs> God, that is just the biggest joke. Um, they, were, they were the ones who stood to gain the most by this, I think. God. There's so much... I mean, them... You yeah, but why would you want to get... Why, item, but. Yeah, but Arsenal placing last in the Super League every single season? That sounds like a lot of fun. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I think I don't think they should be allowed to play in Europe next season. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think those three punishments. There will probably be more. I don't know. There will probably be other types of things thrown out there. So, we'll yeah, just have I, to see. I think I those are probably that. the three biggest. Yeah, I think I'm probably more inclined towards the fining. Yes. I guess you, the UEFA thing is different, but like with UEFA, if you keep you know, Man City from winning the Champions League next year. You're keeping them, you're punishing them by not allowing them to make a lot of money that they stand to gain in the Champions League. But if instead you allow them to play in the Champions League and get some of that cash, but you take that cash away and give it to other teams, that seems like a more... Um, oh, okay. Like a more equitable situation to me. Okay. I can see that too. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Punishing the owner specifically somehow. I don't know how that would, how that would take place. Um, but I definitely think it's the owners that should, that are at fault. It's not the managers of the clubs. It's not yeah. the players. Most of the staff weren't involved. It's the owners. I don't know how you punish them specifically. And I'm guessing it's fines, but ultimately that hurts the club too. Cause the owner's, like as we've seen with United are going to up and sell. So yeah, it's like, you can't, I mean, that would be best for all parties. I think if owner, if these owners left. And um, I think, I think the, the premier league has the power to force, force um, sales of clubs. Oh really? Okay. So yeah, I think that would be another thing to think about. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I think you're totally right. Like, um, whatever happens shouldn't target like, uh, yeah, like staff or, um, or managers. Um, I mean, it'll affect them naturally, but I think or fans, I mean, or fans. Yeah. Yeah. Or fans. Right. Um, so you have to be careful about how you go about things in order to make sure you're targeting the right. Definitely. Honestly, I think, yes, it needs to be firm, but, Anything, anything, anything will do, I think, just to send a message. Yeah. Like, even if it's not as harsh as it could have been, doing something will let, at least let them know, hey, we're, we're willing to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't, and you can't just kind of bully the whole league continually by right. playing this will, will they, won't they stay in, in right. game. Right. Um, okay. So maybe, do you want to talk about the positives? What might come out of the, this? It might be positive. Yeah, well, I mean, do we want to touch on, like, do we think this is going to happen again? Do we think that this is of the eventuality? What do you think? I don't know. I mean, it seems 
I mean, if you had told me on Saturday that these clubs are going to promote propose a super league of this structure, I would have said that does not surprise me. That will, if right. it doesn't happen this time, it'll happen soon. Um, and like, that's just an inevitability based on how um, teams have been running themselves for the last 30 years. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this is like, if it, I don't know that this prevents this from happening, but it definitely seems to me to kind of forestall it from happening for quite a while. Um, Cause this is like sure some, hope so. some serious stuff going on. Um, yes. And I or think it, maybe, I guess how it would form too would be yeah. different than this. <laughs> yeah. So my, my gut instinct is that it doesn't get rid of the possibility. Um, yeah. But it does make it much harder for, the potential member clubs to to do because because i mean i think for one thing and this is maybe one of the positives and we'll we'll get into the positives is just like fans realize that they do have power in these situations and it's not necessarily because the um because you know not going to a game hurts really hurts the wallet of a team like man united but yeah they do have power in the sense that um what man united or liverpool or arsenal are selling is a brand and fans have the power to damage that brand by um making it abundantly clear that this is a kind of craven organization right yeah yeah definitely um yeah i think that's a really good point um and i can't remember who said this, but one of the journalists tweeted um, someone else saying that, you know, if, if this is to happen, the only way to stop it is to kind of damage the brand of, of the super league of the clubs or whatever, um, you know, prevent sponsorship, prevent TV rights, prevent um, pundits, prevent referees from even refereeing the game, prevent all of these things from happening because um because it is so grotesque, if all of these people chipped in and said, no, we're not going to support this in whatever fashion, then yeah, then it wouldn't go through. Um, yeah. Cause I think even, even Amazon, even Amazon who is showing, you know, international football matches um, from across the world, you know, I think they show like what Bundesliga anyway, they came out and they made a statement. Like it was kind of wishy-washy, not super firm, but like, we had no we had no discussion in this. This was never talked about. So it's like even they were already kind of like, oh, this is bad for brand. We're not going to go anywhere near it, and we're actually going to preemptively say we're nowhere near that. Yeah. So I think there had been whispers that they might be uh, a group that was interested in televising the Super League, and that's probably why they had to come out and say that. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. What do What do you think about um, will this happen in the future? Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I kind of am in the same boat. I think it's not that shocking, but at the same time, um, I think it was more real than it has ever been. So oh, for sure, um, yeah, I think, I think, I don't know that it would happen. If it does happen, it will be uh, much. I don't want to say equitable, but it's not going to be as as um, as a stark contrast as it was this time around. Yeah. 
So I don't, I think that this stunt um, and the fact that fans pulled together and everyone pulled together and was like, no, we don't want this. will at least dampen what it could be in the future. So I think that's good. So let's, I guess let's move on to the positives of kind of where we see this headed um, for the future of football. Yeah. I think for me that all the positives lie in, well, I think there are lots of like abstract positives in terms of people realizing that or fans realizing that they have a lot more in common than they have different from one another and kind of, um, yeah, we're seeing a kind of, um, common sense of fandom that was threatened, um, by this super league. But I think for me, like the way I, I think about it, the, the biggest positives are the potentials for regulation that this brings up, right? So yeah. there are lots of talks, both from a kind of uh, you know state political situation um, in relegating the way ownership works in, in clubs. Um, there's more talks from the Premier League about relegating, regulating the way that um, ownership is, is handled and um, how much power owners have over a club. Um, I think that's all really good. I think an ideal version, and this is, this is exactly, so you've heard me get on my soapbox about the 50 plus one rule before, I believe in Germany. Um, I don't know that I have, but I definitely wanted to talk about this because this was my favorite, my favorite positive too, is that this, I kind of hope that we move towards this. So go ahead and be on, get on your soapbox. Okay. So this is, this is the perfect, the perfect portrayal of why the 50 plus one rule works it's because yes. you didn't have Bayern Munich and you didn't have Dortmund sign up for the Super League and it's not because their owners are necessarily any less craven than the owners of these yeah. other teams it's yeah. because they know that they can't do it because the uh, members the fans mm-hmm. fans you pay yearly memberships have yep. a majority stake in the organization and yep. so any move that you know Bayern Munich or especially some like Dortmund there's no like even the idea that people thought they could get Dortmund into this league is absurd um <laughs> but uh the reason why that can't happen is because it has to get past the fans first yeah not just not just from a PR perspective but from an actual right. institutional perspective and from right. the way the club works and so um like there are all sorts of real great benefits in my mind of a 50 plus one rule. And the only, which essentially means that, yes, which essentially means that the fans have 51%. They have a majority stake in the ownership. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that seems like a really simple thing, but what it manifests as is needing, needing fan approval in order to, to do things. Right. Yeah. There are obviously ways around it. And it's not a perfect system, but it is yeah. a, a way of keeping kind of catastrophic things like this from happening. Yeah, um, love it. I, I really hope that Premier League implements something like this, or at least other leagues in the world yeah. will see this German model and we'll move towards it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that, like, I don't think we'll see, I honestly don't think we'll see this happen in England. Because you can't really, in a lot of these cases, yeah. you can't put the genie back in the bottle, right? So, like... Yeah, um, the downsides so. of the fifty plus one rule is that um, there's just like less cash on hand, right? Because yeah. the owners are are smaller stakeholders. Um, yeah, 
they're not just pouring able to pour money in. Sure. Um, and so that's, that's what's tough about it. But I think that's an ideal or yeah. not an ideal, at least a practicable ideal that, yeah. um, that I think the premier league should seriously be thinking about at least if not, um, if not making some kind of 50 plus one rule, at least making, you know, a 30 plus 70 rule or in 20 plus 80 rule, right. Where, or a 20 to 80 rule um, where fans have some kind of actual stake that is significant enough to that a moving to a super league has to be run by them in order for it to happen. Because yeah. fans didn't know this was happening. No one knew this was happening. Other than right. Managers, managers um, didn't know it was happening. Yeah. So so that, to me, is like the most meaningful kind of yeah. regulation yeah. that can happen. Um, and I think the fact that, you know, Dortmund didn't sign on, that Bayern didn't sign on, speaks to how effective that can be. Yep. I mean, yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that's very exciting. Um, I mean, that's that was what I was going to mention. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> um, no, but I'm glad you. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you talked about it because um, I've I've not thought about it very much um, up until now. But I think that's such an important thing to to look for. Um, and honestly, I think just the genuine love of the game um, and how it's structured now. Um, you know, the fact that we were close to losing it, um, I think will kind of um, solidify and crystallize everyone in to the point of we must preserve it and make it better. So um, I think that there will probably be, if not ownership models, at least some sort of like a bigger stake of fans in the Premier League that have more say. So like whether that's, I don't know what it looks like, but I don't know if it's like unions or, you know, like a, some sort of like group, like of it's run by supporters and we have a say in like how the premier league works as a whole or how the club, how our club works. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I just think that that needs to happen. Um, and also uh, one thing that I'm also thinking about is I we talked about UEFA and how they're not, they're not a great organization either. Um, but some sort of restructuring for the champions league needs to happen. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, and they've already announced it. I haven't really looked into it very much. It doesn't seem like people it's are an, enjoying it. It's an absurd model. Yeah. So honestly, I think I really hope that they retract it and, in a not my this is the this is the length of my hope because I think this is kind of far fetched but I hope that they retract it and seriously reconsider how to make this a better a better league and I mean that's not a lot to ask but I just don't see because in my mind I'm thinking less Premier League clubs go to the Champions League mm. and. Um, like you have to, you can't just be fourth in your league to go to the champions league. That's, you know, I think it needs to be a little bit more exclusive Hmm. in a way. 
Um, because I think that's what they were going for is, um, is exclusivity with the super league. It's like, we're the top, top, top. It's like, well, if champions league has so many teams in it and they're expanding it. Yeah. That's why they don't want to be in the champions league anymore. Cause it's not as exclusive. It needs to be exclusive in the sense that not just the best teams are in it, but that like the best teams from different leagues are in it. Um, hmm. I don't really know what it looks like, and I, there's going to be a lot more conversations to be had about it, but I think bigger reform in the Champions League and just Europe tournaments in general, whether that's Europa League or the conference thing that they're announcing that's going to happen soon, like they need to really, they really need to like figure something else out, I think. And the FIFA Club World Cup, like what the hell is that? Like, yeah, they need to figure something else out too. Like, I don't know. I just hope that it, hope that it changes the way they think about those those tournaments yeah and i mean i I think you're pointing to what makes all of this so strange which is just the kind of overlapping authoritative bodies that govern (laughs) club soccer and international soccer right that you have the champions league and the club world cup and then you have the possibility of a super league that is not tied to either uefa or fifa um like it's just a kind of um absurd system that has been built layer upon layer over time by just adding one thing over the next. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think some kind of consolidation would be nice. I kind of disagree with you on the champions league question. I actually really like the champions way league, the way that it. I don't, exists. that's the thing is I don't mind it at all. I know that people have qualms with it, but I think it could be reformed, but I also don't think that it's, I don't know. It's my hope that it gets reformed in a way to make it a little bit more exciting, maybe. I don't know. So that way it kind of dampens any motivation for a Super League, but mm. I don't really know that it can do that much anyway. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I've not really had any huge beef with it necessarily. It's just, I think in, in this light, in this context, I think maybe it should be discussed. Yeah. Can we make this a better tournament? Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Another thing I just thought of is just, um, regulating who's able to own premier league clubs. Is that even a thing? Um, well, can we just, can we ban Americans from owning clubs? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Hey, you know, Uh, you know, Ryan Reynolds just bought a Welsh club or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He did. But whatever. <laughs> I think actually, interestingly, did you know LeBron James owns part of Liverpool? Yeah, I think so. Is he part of FSG? I think so. Yeah. Uh, okay. Isn't that wild? Uh, yeah. Let's just. I don't know. <laughs> I wonder if like, I'm just think because I don't want to be like, because there's a there's a chance people could get into the hyper localization of things and say yeah we don't we don't want we don't even want supporters from other countries you know it's like yeah that's not what this is about that's not what this is about but i also don't want to get to the point where like no only british people can own these clubs either yeah totally no i don't think that's not the right thing either but is there a way to like regulate it so that is there some way to filter out the people that are in it just for the money or not maybe not even that but 
is there a way to filter out um, people that just don't get it? I mean, I, I don't saw, think I saw I saw a tweet. I saw a tweet. I don't know how true this is. So let me go ahead and say this. But one of the one of the owners, I think it's um, I think it's Arsenal's owner. I don't remember. One of the American owners from the Premier League club. There was a quote today of um, he's he said that it took him two years to understand the offsides rule. <laughs> it's like, and it's like this guy's going to be like own a club in the Super League. It's like that kind of highlights everything, you know, it's like. Yeah. Can we get away from like these stupid ass idiots owning these clubs that honestly don't give a shit about soccer? Um, yeah. You know, is there like, do you have to like be a mer- like, can you own the club, but you can't take a majority ownership until you've been there for so many years so that way you get it? Um, mm, that's maybe like, because I was thinking, oh, you have to live there to understand it. But I mean, maybe you just own it for a certain amount of time, then you'll maybe get it. Um, and then maybe like, maybe the, maybe it gets voted on that you become the majority owner or something. I I don't know. I don't know. There's lots of different ways. I'm sure you can do it. Yeah. I like, I like that mechanism a lot. I think another mechanism that you are, uh, uh, implying is, uh, have the owners take some kind of a, um, a a written rules (laughs) test. God, why, why, why can't they take? I mean, if you want to become an American citizen, you got to pass an insanely hard test on the fucking Constitution. Yeah, they should at least be able to learn the history and the rules of the game, and like at a bare minimum, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, my my inclination is to think that like regulating what an owner does is more effective, and then is a more effective deterrent for bad owners than yeah. you know um trying to yeah. weed people out on the front end but um yeah yeah i mean overall we just need more of like elton john owning watford type energy <laughs> for real let's just have elton john run all the clubs <laughs> Man. you have to be knighted in order to run a club oh that? wow that that gets really problematic real fast <laughs> there are only so many good knights out there i'm sure oh yeah i know yeah for real. All right, man. I don't know. I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else to say? I think it's I'm been spent. very long. And me too. I think the last word, I'm going to say my last words and then I'll let you sign off. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say, fuck the Super League and football is for the fans. Yeah. I think that's all that needs to be said. Um, well, hopefully that was helpful for our maybe one maybe no listeners who are still listening by this point um i know it was helpful for uh, at least me and i hope it was for you evan to kind of uh uh like consolidate your feelings and vent them out so it was for me yeah same wow cool Whew, it's over kind of yeah. for now <laughs> <laughs> all right well we'll see you uh at some point listeners Yes, hopefully it'll be a little bit more uh, upbeat, I think. <laughs> and about fantasy. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows what the rest of the season is going to be like, honestly. Yeah. Alrighty. All right. Bye bye. Until next time. Bye bye.